I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Sam. Hi, I'm Sam. I'm a compulsive reader. And really excited to be here. When uh, Harriet called me, thought, oh yeah, September 8th, that's so far away. I'll be, you know, so recovered by then. But, <laughs> and then I'm like, it's already here. Um, I don't know how you guys do it here, but I'll just qualify a little bit. I've been in OA since 1990. I came in when I was 17. I mean 17, 19. <laughs> close, close, close. 19, and um, I have 12 years of abstinence, so there's a, a bit of a gap there, and I'll talk about that in my story. Um, as far as weight loss, um, I've lost about 40 pounds. I've been thinner than I am now, and I've been heavier than I am now, in this, both in this program, and I'll talk about that in my story. Um, I guess what it was like is um, a lot of isolation, a lot of loneliness, a lot of um, people not really knowing who I am, and um, feeling going to the food for comfort. And um, I really ate a lot by myself. I wouldn't really binge with other people. I mean, maybe a couple other people, but it was generally something I did by myself, um, either in my car where no one could see me, so I thought, um, or in my room, you know, by myself. And um, it didn't really manifest itself on my body until I was uh, in high school. So I didn't really, I mean, I felt shame about it because I thought, I'm eating, like, a lot more than other people or thinking about food a lot more than, than, like, I've heard my friends talk about it or whatever. So I think I did have a, a sense of shame about just my relationship with food, but it never really, I just always thought I needed to lose weight. Like, I just need to be on that diet, and I need just to lose weight, and then that would be, you know, that would take care of all of this weirdness in my head. And um, so I was constantly, you know, aware of my, my body and constantly um, dieting and, and very much either on or off a diet. And um, would do all kinds of things, you know, go on diets. Um, my mom would pay me money if I, like, lost my, to my goal weight. And, you know, it was kind of, it felt very, um, you know, harmless at the time. It just seemed kind of something that, that I did. And she was encouraging me. So I thought, oh, this is probably what, you know, you do as a woman and whatever. And, um, but just the, like, just to get into how it really was for me was just the binging was just really, it was it was so awful um, the feeling after binging. I mean, the feeling before binging was like that like itchy feeling, like I just need something to like stop these voices or not voices, but you know, like these <laughs> these thoughts in my head, like I just need something, you know. And um, so I would choose sweets or whatever was around, and um, and that would quiet the thoughts for a while. Um, but then I have other thoughts, like, oh, my God, I just ate a whole loaf of whatever, and now I have, you know, I got how many calories was that, you know. And so it was just like a constant barrage of thoughts about food, whether I was overeating or then trying to figure out how not to, you know, have the, the calories. And I tried the bulimia thing, and it just, I wasn't good at it. I couldn't figure it out. Um, so that was never really an option for me. But um, I really just binged, and that was kind of how I coped. And today I feel, looking back, of course, not in it, um, I feel grateful that I had that as a coping mechanism because apparently I needed it at the time. So um, I guess what it was like, I feel like I can tag all this time, <laughs> but I know it's probably going to come quicker than, than I realize. 
Um, so what it was like was just, like I said, a lot of isolation, a lot of being in groups of people, but people not really knowing me. Um, and then, like, people would, you know, we'd all go out for lunch, and I'd be the one, you know, who brought my own lunch with my own weird food and, you know, always the diet food and things like that. But then by myself, I would go and binge, and and that helped for a while. Um, I guess for me, what brought me to OA was... I went back to one of the commercial diet plans I'd tried where I was successful, um, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't stay on the diet, and I got, I got really scared, like, uh-oh, this could be something serious. And so I called um, OA, I called up information and was like, Overeaters Anonymous, you know, because I was so just, like, I'd heard of it. And I knew it existed, but I was like, oh, man, am I really like them? Or, you know, just the idea of it. Um, and and so I, I went to my first meeting. Um, I'm from San Diego. I went to my first meeting there. And I did feel an instant sense of, like, oh, like people are talking about what I do with food, but they don't seem, like, as um, uh, just – as, like, they don't see, seem to feel as awful as I feel, you know? Like, I felt like there's a solution. Like, there's people here who have done what I've done, yet they're not doing that anymore. And I thought, oh, well, okay, you know, maybe I could do that too. And um, so I, like I said, that was in 1990. And, um, and I just, you know, I would go to the meetings, and I feel really good going to meetings, and then I liked the fellowship part of it and stuff like that. But I wouldn't really do any of the work, like, afterwards, you know. Like, people are, would say they're on a certain step. I didn't really understand what that meant. I was like, oh, yeah, I've read them. Yeah, I don't know what that means to work a step. And so that's kind of a five-year gap that I have in, um, when coming into program versus my abstinence state. And... Um, and I just really wasn't ready to commit. I mean, I had other things going on. I was in college, and I was traveling. And it just really, I didn't take it as seriously as I guess I needed to. Or, or it, it was what it was, you know. It was the five years I needed to just, I would try. I'd get like 30 days, and then I would, something would happen, and I'd overeat. And then um, I would try again. I'd get 60 days, and I'm like, okay, this time I did it. I know I did it. And then something would happen, and I'd overeat. And, um when I was trying all those times, I didn't do any of the steps. I was working with the sponsor sporadically, would call maybe every couple weeks and just, you know, say hi and say things were fine or whatever it was. So it's like I was here bodily, but that was about it. And um, so once I started getting serious about it, once I actually got a sponsor who I committed to call every day, and um, then I did the fourth step with this sponsor and the fifth step with this sponsor, it all started to kind of hit me like, oh, oh, that's what they mean when they say working the steps. And, um, and I think for me that fourth, that first fifth step was um, definitely life-changing. And I know it's not necessarily for everyone, but for me it was very um, significant because for the first time I told someone, like, this is all the stuff I think. And um, and it wasn't as if I'd done anything illegal, per se, or um, anything that was so awful. But in my head, it was just not okay to feel bad about someone or to have judgments about someone. Like, that was not okay. 
And here I was just telling her, okay, well, that lady down the street, this is what I think of her. And, you know, like I just got it all out. And it was very freeing for me to get it, A, A, to get it all out, and B, for someone to listen and say, yeah, I felt that way or I would feel that way if I was in that situation. Just to have the validation and just to not be judged was really new for me. And, um, And so that was a big turning point in my program. And that was about five years in. And um, I also, at that time, my abstinence, she helped me to define my abstinence, which started out as three binges a day and nothing in between. And, um, you know, my ears were like, what? She's crazy. You know, I'm going to gain all this weight, and um, I'll, be, I'll be out of control if I get to binge three times a day. And... Um, but, you know, she knew me. She knew that that was what I needed because I lived in this box of good food, bad food, um, right food, wrong food. And I needed to just kind of open that box a little bit and um, not necessarily binge three times a day, but I needed to have a different frame of reference so that if I had, you know, something that wasn't perfect, it's still okay. And, you know, for me personally, at this point in my recovery, I'm kind of redefining my abstinence again. I'll talk about that later. But um, so that's how I needed to start. And that's for me, you know, some people start different ways, uh, but that was what I needed to start because it gave me some early success. It made me feel like I could do this. Um, Even when I maybe didn't eat perfectly in a meal, I still felt like, okay, well, that one's over and then there's dinner or whatever. The next day it goes on. And um, so for me, that's how it all started. And over time, the, the meals got more moderate. Um, over time, my food plan, which I consider is just one part of my abstinence, is what I eat. I feel like there's other pieces of my abstinence, like my mental and emotional um, health that go into my abstinence, not just my food plan. Um, so over time, that's changed dramatically. Okay, so that's what it was like. What happened, I think I kind of covered that in terms of how I got here. And, um, and you know, so I, that wasn't the only fourth and fifth step I've done. I did all the steps with her, and then I've done the steps a couple more times since then. And, um, you know, it's just amazing how this, this formula works, you know, if you are ready to work it and willing to work it and put the time into it. And... Um, I guess what it's like now, it's interesting, it's interesting for me to be sharing um, because I've been having, you know, just a lot of um, questions about my abstinence, my food plan, I guess I should say, and just kind of where I'm at in terms of, um, in terms of that. I, um, like I said, I want to have my right and my wrong food and my good and my bad food. And I'm, I'm still struggling with that, you know, however many years later that, you know, that they're even within abstinence. And I want also to, like, um, what are you doing? Oh, I should do that, you know, instead of having my own sense of, like, well, for me, this is what I need to do. And um, so, you know, it's, it's just amazing how, you know, like when I first came in and if someone was up here with, like, you know, however many years of abstinence, I'd be like, oh, they must have it so together, and just their life is, you know, so different. And and now that I'm in that spot, I'm just like, oh, it's just, I mean, it's different than when I came in. I, I definitely, my sponsor's having me read the promises daily, and it's definitely 
a blessing um, to be abstinent from the food, to be not binging, to be not so crazed with my body and the body image um, that I can actually function and have relationships with people. And um, so the, the promises are definitely, they've come true for me in many ways. And um, that's actually where I met John was at the Promises panel at the convention. And, you know, at that time it was like, oh, have they come true? But when I think about them and I read them, yes, they've definitely come true. And, you know, not all at once and not every day do I feel like, oh, hello, I love my life. But um, I would say, you know, the majority of the time, like my, my frame of reference, you know, I can get in a, in a bad mood, but it shifts and it passes. And when I was in the food, that was just not a, it was not an option. Like, I would stay in a bad mood. I'd be, like, you know, just numb and then worse, you know, than the hangover from the food and, and have to um, wait for that to pass. And, um, and now, you know, I have emotional issues or things that come up, and it's like, well, they come up and then they leave pretty quickly um, if I'm willing to, A, talk about them, and be, you know, do the work that I'm told to do, if that's what I'm supposed to do. And sometimes I'm not supposed to do anything, which is even the hardest part. Sometimes I'm just supposed to sit and, like, let stuff come up and let stuff go away and let stuff come up and let stuff go away. So, you know, and I like to be more in, in the action mode where, hey, let me do something about this. And sometimes that's just not what I'm supposed to do. And um, so, gosh, um, I could talk a long more time, but um, I guess what I'll talk about now is just kind of my current uh, frame of reference in terms of uh, my food plan, um, or maybe what I do. Um, I uh, I generally meditate during during the day um, in the morning. I try to take some quiet time to connect with my higher power, and you know it's funny because. Once I find, once I start doing something, I feel like I have to do this forever, always, this way, every day, you know, instead of maybe like, well, today, why don't I read the big book, and tomorrow, we'll see what I feel like doing, you know, um, but it's like, you know, that compulsive mind of mine wants to like, okay, I'm going to read this every single day, and if I don't, then I failed, and um, so I'm trying to find ways to connect to my higher power on a daily basis, and some days, like I said, it's reading, some days it's writing, some days it's walking, some days it's just laying on my back, <laughs> meditating or sleeping. Um, but just I find a way every day to connect. And that really starts my day off so that I feel centered throughout the day. And, um, and then um, as far as I've been, lately I've been reading The Promises um, just to be reminded of how far I've come and, and all the um, gifts that I have in my life. And I've also been looking at the 11th step piece of the big book, which talks about, you know, turning our lives or our day over. You know, like if we're, if we're agitated or whatever it is, we pause. And um, so I've been trying to focus on that. And the nighttime stuff, I just am too tired. I really, I, I try and do my, review my day at night, but I usually review my day in the morning from yesterday because I just, I forget and I'm tired. And, um... And that's okay for me. Like, at least I'm doing something in that vein. Um, and then, you know, so the, the food stuff, I guess, you know, I'm working with my sponsor, and I think for a long time I've um, kind of been thinking I can do this by myself and haven't really been using my sponsor to the, her fullest ability, if you will, 
you know, just not, not calling when I need to call, not always sharing, that feeling like, oh, well, this is what I think she would say, so I'll just do that. Instead of actually calling her and saying, hey, this is what's going on, you know, any thoughts or whatever. And so I've been doing that a lot more, just checking in and um, letting people know what's going on with me. Because even though I'm not overeating, I'm not doing the binging that I was doing, I can still isolate and I can still hide from people. And, um, and that's actually something that I'm trying to work on now, is, or it's just something that's like I've been given a lot of opportunity to work on, is really like letting people know who I am, what I think, what, what's going on for me, and just letting that be okay. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be what they're doing. You know, that's another part of, of my thing is, you know, well, what are you doing? I want to do what you're doing. Even though that may not work for me, that might not feel right for me. Um, one thing I didn't say about um, my evolution of food plans, um, I did weigh and measure for a long time, and, um, and that worked for me really well for a long time. And I, I liked the structure. I liked the exactness of it. Um, and it just gave me a freedom that I hadn't had before. And I also stopped eating um, refined sugar and flour at that time as well. So that's not part of what I eat today. Um, and it's not like it's uh, uh, something I like try not to eat or avoid. I mean, it's just kind of like I'm done with it, you know? Like I've had so much in my life that it just doesn't like call to me anymore. And I never thought I'd get to that point. And I'd, I'd heard people say stuff like that, and I'm like, yeah, whatever, I don't think so. And, but for me, it just, I don't know, I just got to that point where it was just like, let me just try it for 30 days. And, and then we'll reevaluate. It'll always be there. I can always go back to it. And I can just see how it feels for me for 30 days. And if I'm going crazy or if I feel like, eh, I, I think I still want it or whatever, then I can, you know, change it accordingly. But I did that and, you know, it just, I don't know, it just kind of went away. The obsession or the craving for it just kind of went away. And that's happened with, with a lot of different things like, um, there was in the, the, the then there was the latte phase where I had to have a latte every day, if not more than one. And um, and so that started feeling uncomfortable too. I was like, yeah, I don't think that. I don't know. I felt like I had that same drive to get it, you know. And I remember I was I was late coming back from my lunch hour this one day because I had to get a latte. And I thought this could be interfering with my work, you know, like. Hello, I'm driving to get a latte, and I have to get there, and then I had to, you know, and so it just got really uncomfortable. And I have a, a good friend who said, just let discomfort be your guide. And it's like, ah, okay. And not like your guide, like kick your ass guide, like stop everything now, but just like maybe we need to look at this, you know. And and so so that's kind of um, the evolution of my abstinence. It's I don't eat this the sugar and the flour. I don't really have caffeine. And it's all because it just makes me feel gross. Like if I eat it or drink it, I just feel really out of it. And, um, and, then, and, and the desire to is gone. But it took me a long time, and especially the latte thing. Like there are people in this room that I would call up and be like, I really want a latte right now. And that's all I need to say. And then I'd hang up, and, and I wouldn't get one. Um, but it took a while, you know. And... Um, and, and so that's what I kind of do when stuff comes up for me. I try to share about it with people that I trust and people that support me and that I feel safe with. 
I, you know, even if it's stuff like, oh, there's this thing I don't want to give up and I'm not going to give up, but I'm just going to talk about it a little bit because maybe I want to get it up someday. And um, so, you know, my program has changed in the sense that I have a more gentleness about myself, not only in what I eat and how I eat, but just in how I deal with issues and problems. Like, like I let myself make make decisions, but I can always make another decision. Decision, you know. It's and before OA or even while in OA, you know, it was like I had to know, I had to know then, and there was no going back. And um, I don't know if it's an age thing or what it is, but I'm just feeling like. You know, like I said, try things for 30 days, and I can always reevaluate. And um, nothing's as in the black and white as I want to make it. So um, I, so currently, you know, with my food plan, my sponsors had me add some, um, add some snacks. And you know, at first I was like, right on, I get to eat more food. And um, but it's kind of, I don't know, it's just, it's just an interesting. I was doing that. I guess I can back up a little bit. Um, I got pregnant. I got I got married in this program and have uh, had a baby in this program, and um, and I think the quality of my life and in both of those events was greatly enhanced by having the twelve steps. You know, to walk walk with walk with a sponsor through things and um, especially the pregnancy thing. You know, um, because I had to deal with gaining weight, and it was I was supposed to gain weight, and it was a good thing, and it was a healthy thing, and it freaked me out. Like I wouldn't didn't want to buy maternity clothes for a really long time because I thought, oh no, you know, I'm needing to buy bigger clothes. It just brought back feelings of like when I used to have to buy bigger clothes. And um, but I I I got I had a very healthy pregnancy. Um, and a healthy baby, and uh, but during that time, my uh, my uh, food plan changed obviously, and I was eating about like two snacks and three meals, and that seemed to be a really good thing for me, and um, and then even afterwards, and then um, then I got pregnant again, and I had a miscarriage, and so I was kind of like into that 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 form of eating and then but then I like had to stop it you know because I thought oh okay I'm not pregnant anymore I need to like you know rain, rain it back and lose all this weight and um, so that's kind of where I'm at now um, that I need to um, what I'm focusing on is trusting my body trusting um, that it's okay to nourish my body I don't have to starve myself I don't have to be thinner than I am today um, I don't have to, you know, be a certain size to be okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm healthy. I'm not overweight, and that's that's it. You know, like my sponsor's like, that's it. Just quit it. You know, like quit obsessing about, you know, that you're not the same size you were when you before you got pregnant or whatever it is. And um, because that's a whole other obsession. You know, that's a whole other ball of wax that um, I could get really into because, and again, it's for me, it's about the perfectionism, that I can't ever do it good enough. There's always someone thinner than me or better than me, and I need to, like, keep, you know, almost punishing myself until I'm perfect, which is impossible. Um, so, so that's kind of my evolution of food plans and um, my program. Um, I... I guess I'll open it up because I don't feel like I'm making a lot of sense at this point. <laughs> um, I've kind of told my story, um, 
And I, I guess I'll just open it up for anyone except for the people I brought with me. They can ask questions. <laughs> They've already they threatened me with some, some fun questions to ask. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, um, she asked, um, how do I, uh, how do I um, work through cooking when you're cooking with, for someone else as well, if you're married? Um, is that the yeah, right question? And okay. having sugar. And having sugar and, and things around, yeah. Okay. Um, well, it's, it's changed. You know, I, when I was first married, I would make, like, a meal for my husband, and then a meal for myself, and that was because I was newlywed, and <laughs> didn't, didn't know any better, and it was driving myself crazy trying to make two meals and um, and and things like that, and so I stopped that. Um, <laughs> now it's been six years, so you know. Um, but what I do now, I I plan the I I make the meal plans, and I make them kind of fit what I can eat. Um, there's um, a lot of things, but then sometimes I will make something that I don't eat, and I'll just have something different. Um, there's things like like brown rice pasta versus like a whole wheat pasta, um, that kind of a thing. I don't know if you're asking about specific foods, but um, I guess what I try to do is, because I have a daughter too, and I don't want her to feel like there's things she can't eat, you know. I want to just expose her to whatever within reason, um, but I don't want to make it good and bad either. So, yeah, generally, and luckily my husband, he likes to eat pretty healthfully, and he feels like he gets to eat more cookies if he eats healthfully meals. Um, so, um, yeah, you know, I try to just make it a balanced thing, but I do usually focus on what I can eat, and they just kind of go along with me. But like I said in the beginning, I did make two different meals, so I don't know if that really answers your question, but that's kind of what I what I do. When you were talking about your um, sponsor and your relationship, and like sometimes you would try to guess what she might say and not call, and you think, well, she probably should. Mm-hmm. What can you describe? Like, what was the process in terms of changing from like actually taking the action of picking up the phone and calling her opposed to like, this is what I think she's going to say? Um, well, I think I got enough pain of, of isolation. Oh, I'm sorry. The question was, how did you, how did I go about picking up the phone and finally calling my sponsor instead of just mind reading what I think she would say? Um, you know, I got enough pain, like, of feeling so lonely, you know, like, 
like, yeah, I, I could figure out what she would say, but I almost, I also missed, like, that, that, that guidance in, in my life and that trust in someone else because I was really doing it by myself. I, really what happened is when I had my miscarriage in June, um, I was just a mess. And I needed so much help from anyone who would help me that I just started, you know, picking up the phone. I would email her and call her. And, um, and since then, I, it's really made me reach out to more people because I realized I needed to, you know, that I can't do all this all by myself. And um, so I think the pain of that really drove me to finally call her. <laughs> and, um, and now I'm calling her regularly, like three times a week sometimes. Or it depends. It depends on the week. Like, some weeks I only call her once, some weeks I call her every day, it, you know, it just depends on what's going on. And I think for me, as it started out, I called her every day as a, at a, out of a, creating a habit, and that's what she wanted, and then I kind of got out of that habit. So, um, and I also, when I commit to something, I, I'm so, I don't want to embarrass myself, so I will do it just even if I don't want to do it. Like, if I say I'll call her, then I'll do it because I don't want to look bad or look like I didn't do my commitments, you know, that kind of thing, which is kind of weird, but that's, yeah. Thank you for sharing. Um, you talked about how when you were younger, you were incentivized kind of by your family. Did you ever find that you had any anger about that or feelings of anger towards your parents about that? And if so, how did you deal with that? Um, did I have any feelings of anger towards my parents for incentivizing my weight loss uh, was the question. You know, at the time, no, I didn't because I was pretty much out of my feelings. I didn't know what I was feeling. But now, it, you know, working through it, yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like um, even to this day, my mom's like on the South Beach diet or something like that, and um, which, you know, that's what works for her, you know. And um, I'm like, oh, she might listen to this. I better be nice. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, you know, but, and, and that was my role model, you know, really. And, um, and I guess, so for me, yeah, I, I felt angry. And I had to do a lot of journaling and um, for my four-step resentment stuff, really journal a lot, like write an angry letter and just get it all out and um, then share it with my sponsor. Um, but And then there's times now even when I'm like, you know, because I have a daughter and it's like I really don't want to pass on that message. I want to give her a healthy body image and, you know, and she's, she has a, a really good appetite and um, sometimes I'm embarrassed, like, stop eating, oh my gosh, all the other kids have stopped eating and... But it's like, you know what, this is, this is her. Like, let her, you know, whatever. So, yes, I did have angry feelings, and my form of getting those out a lot was the journaling, the writing. And, um, and then, you know, at a certain point I had to say, okay, but this is what I did with that example, so I have to take ownership of it too. Like, yes, she presented that example, but I also took it a step further than she ever did. You know, she wasn't telling me to, you know, torture myself the way I did, mentally and physically with the food. So, yeah. Um, thank you so much. It's great. Um, you, you were pretty young when you came in, and you talked about how it took about five years for you really to get traction here. What kept you here, and were, did you have any difficulties being so young in the program? Or 
what was your experience in mm-hmm. mm, That's a good one. So what kept me coming back after, uh, was not having five years of abstinence and also being so young in the program. How was that experience? Um, I don't know. I think it was more just out of, like, well, if everyone else can do it, I'd better do this. You know, kind of like that embarrassment thing, like, just that I didn't want to fail. I didn't want to give up. I didn't want to be a a loser. I didn't want to be a loser away person. Um, I wanted to be a winner. And um, so, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I think there was just something in me. And I think, too, like, even though my food wasn't completely abstinent in those in those five years, I was getting something, you know, like I was having emotional things. I was, you know, handling life a little differently, even though it wasn't, I was still in the food, and it wasn't like it is now, but I was getting little glimpses of, like, you know, recovery, I guess. So that's, I think, what kept me going, coming back. And also, yeah, I think I just didn't want to be a loser and (laughs) not be able to figure this out. Um, And I've seen it work for so many other people, um, I had hope, I, you know, I was hopeful when I came here. And then the age thing, well, I don't know if I really felt that different. I mean, I felt like um, I'd go to, I went to, when I went to college, I'd go to meetings. So there were some younger people, but it was mostly older people. Um, I don't know. I don't remember. what. The, I think I just kind of, I knew I belonged from the food aspect. So I didn't look at the age what does one call recovery? And if one is recovered, why do you have to keep coming? Mm. What does one call recovery? And if you're recovered, why do you have to keep coming? Um, hmm. Well, my definition of recovery, which probably has changed a lot over over time, um, is the freedom from the obsession. Not only the obsession from the food and the food behavior, but the obsession of myself, um, that I don't constantly think about myself every single minute of every single day. And that freedom for me has come from doing the steps and sponsoring other people. Um, and I think I keep coming because I forget. I have this strange mental blank spot as they talk about in the big book that um, I think I I think I'll be okay. I think I can do it normally. Um, and so I forget that I'm a little off when it comes to certain things. Um, um how am I off? Oh boy. Let's see, what time is it? Um well, the latest example for me is just the distortion in body image. Um, you know, that I really have no true sense of what size I am, other than what the size of my pants or shirt or skirt says, which you can't trust anyway, because they vary so much. Um, so for me lately, I've been working on just turning that over. Like when I see myself in the mirror and I think, oh my gosh, oh no, I think, wait. I don't have the proper set of glasses, or I'm not looking at this properly. Like, I don't have a sense of it, so I'm going to just not, I just let that go. Um, So that's one example. Um, Also, well, I don't really know if I have another example right off the top of my head. Um, 
That's okay. Um, you were saying that you had to like sort of change your thinking from thinking like good food, bad food, and obsessing about calories. And, and how mm. did you go about changing that? How did I change my thinking of good food, bad food, and calories and getting out of the box? Um, Well, it's really a daily thing. I can't say that I'm completely over that, you know. Um, I think through prayer, you know, really praying for guidance. Like, okay, God, I know you will show me, like, what I'm supposed to eat and how much I'm supposed to eat. And um, when I really tune in and have, if I get centered in the morning, that really helps me. Um, Talking about it with other people and really, um, for me, like I have to, I have to, um, I, I think I know deep down like what I need and what I need to eat and how much and all that kind of stuff. But I start getting scared or I get like, oh no, or you know, I want to take that control back. For me, that's what a lot of the restricting is about, is I'm feeling out of control somewhere in my life, so let me mm, narrow in on my food and control that so that I can, like, not feel out of control in other areas. So um, that's kind of a work in progress for me. I'm really talking with my sponsor a lot about it lately um, and just trying to give up, like, the idea that, that you know, I'm going to do, that, I, that there's the good and the bad. Um, but it is it can still be a struggle for me. Um, I do try to I pray about it just to like, okay, guide me. I'll trust that I'm I'm doing the right thing. I'll trust that my my body size is the size it's supposed to be today. And and it can be it can be really like I really especially in the last couple of weeks I've wanted to go back to the weight and measuring because it's really safe for me and it's um you know, it's exact, it's meant you know, it just it makes me feel okay. And so for me, I'm trying to just let go of that a little bit and trust that I know and that it'll be okay. I don't know if that helps, but I'm going to go over this side. Um, in terms of the way you measure, how did you deal with uh, social situations, like family gatherings mm. and so forth, without feeling ostracized? Um, in terms of way to measure, how did I deal with uh, family situations? in terms of not feeling ostracized. Um, well, a lot of times, sometimes I would pre-weigh and measure my food, if I could, and bring it with me to situations. Um, and then my family just knows. I mean, I don't know how extended you're talking, but they just know that I eat differently, um, especially at that time I was. Um, and then sometimes, uh, like eating out at restaurants, I wouldn't bring a scale. I would generally just eyeball what I thought the, the measurements were. I didn't eat out that often, so it wasn't a huge problem. But, um, yeah, that's how I handled it. Yeah. What have you taught your daughter about sugar and refined flour? And mm-hmm. do you have expectations that she needs? What have I taught my daughter about sugar and flour, and do I have expectations? Um, well, for her, you know what? I'm not... Well, I haven't, we haven't changed what we have in our household. We basically have the same foods that we had before she was born. Well, we probably have some different ones now, but um, I give her, she has sugar, she has flour. Um, you know, I feel like it's not my place to restrict that in her life right now. No, I just kind of, I mean, if she goes to a party and there's 
things and she wants some, then we let her have some, but we don't make a big deal about it. And um, so I, I haven't really, you know, changed her. I mean, she eats like we do, though, and we have, don't have that much stuff. My husband has stuff. But um, but he usually eats it when she's in bed, so it doesn't come up. <laughs> hasn't found a problem yet. <laughs> she's only two. Hi. Um, you alluded to this before a little bit. Could you talk maybe about... Um, how do you use the different aspects of the program to get you through the, the really tough times? How do you use the different um, aspects of the program to get me through the tough times? Um, well, yeah, the one thing I didn't talk that much about, I guess, is the spiritual piece of it for me. And um, I've used it a lot lately. Um, in terms of... Um, the meditation, and um, and also, you know, one thing that I that I'm just realizing so much is so important is the fellowship, and um, you know, having those emotional relationships, and learning how to have um, friendships in program and out of program, and you know, my sponsors really help helping me with that. Like we're just going back to basics, like making I'm going to these things I don't want to go to and I'm, um, you know, trying to talk to one new person and, you know, I feel like I'm learning all over again. But um, it's, it's, um, it's helping me. And because with the, the ism, you know, I think a lot of us feel like we don't belong, that we're not a part of. And so I go to situations and I automatically come in with that jacket on that, oh, I, no one's going to know, no one's like me and I'm different and da 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 And um, so I'm really trying to, Take, you know, come in and say, I'm just like everybody else. You know what? We're all just like, we're all the same. You know, we all have our things. Um, but um, I guess for me, it's just been like um, really diving into the meditation, um, sharing with friends and uh, my sponsor. And um, I do a lot of writing that helps me a lot to connect not only to my higher power, but just to my emotions. Um, so did that cover? Okay. Is there another one? Okay. Thank you.